Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dum Dums and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse Code and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pop, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise. Merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse Code and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse Code and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers. Laura Elizabeth as the Orc Countant Eta and Princess Gwendolyn. Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse Code and Crown! Maka, you are examining uh, the the pile of bodies that have been stacked in the, the name of, of Jossie uh, by the, uh, the Jossians, the cult that has sprung up in your absence around uh, the god of death, uh, seemingly with you as some kind of absentee figurehead. Uh, the bodies have been known by the, the faithful as the unrotted uh, and the children of Jossie. Um, and uh, though you've seen the effects certainly of the curse um, on the living, this is your first chance to truly examine its effects on the dead. So uh, what are you looking for? How do you want to approach this investigation? What's uh, Talk me through what's going on. I think... I think he would see if he could... Um, magically uh, um, decompose these bodies, like uh, accelerate the decomposition process and see what effect his spores have on on a a body that has been sick. 
Okay. Um, <clears throat> guess that's probably a nature check or an arcana I do, check. I could roll nature. I don't really feel like it's medicine since you're using your, your sort of spore magic to accelerate. Yeah, uh, and he's also operating under the assumption that medicine is kind of a non-starter, given that there are like physicians in Belize yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. Eh, nine. Nine. Um, you reach out and you can feel your your spores beginning to interact uh, with these. But as uh, as you watch, and I mean, when I say watch, I perhaps observe is the the better term because I feel as though it's not just a a purely visual like i'm staring at it what's it doing it's kind of understanding and feeling um through the uh the cluster what's occurring um as your spores fall uh to uh, one of the bodies um they fall across it in a in a thin sheet uh as as they do and and uh kind of line line the body you can see the small fungal growths um and uh unfortunately as as your spores begin to make contact you can see um, then, you know, the, the, the faintest hints of decomposition beginning, um, but then the spores themselves uh, turn sort of a, a, a brownish gray um, to match the, the other mushrooms on the, the body. And uh, as you watch uh, over kind of a few minutes, um, they slowly begin to, to form uh, the same sort of mushrooms that you're, you're seeing growing elsewhere. Um. If I pluck one of these mushrooms and examine it, can I tell what kind it is? Have I seen this kind of fungus before? Um, it looks very, it almost looks like a color swapped, like color palette swapped uh, growth that you would, you would have. Like it, it does definitely seem, seem, I mean, from, from a glance and understanding what you do about medicine, um, th- this looks like a mutated strain of spore. Hmm. Um, it's recognizable, but just slightly different, slightly off. Um, and observing kind of how these spores infected the ones you released, um, it's clear that this is some form of mutation that is unlike uh, the necrotis, um, which felt very much uh, removed from the, the cluster. Um, this is very much a part of the cluster, but a, 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 um, an inverted form of it. Or a poisoned form is perhaps the, uh, the better term. Then sort of like, okay, so stepping back from like the physical aspect, can I feel it like spiritually through the cluster? Um, roll me, I think, a, do you have religion? Is religion a, a skill on your, or have we been uh, using, we've been using nature for you? Religion is on there. Um, it's the same modifier as nature. Okay. So this is just, you're reaching out to, to the cluster Roll. So whatever you've been using for that, if you could use the same, please. Okay. It's a 19. Okay. I'm going to um, call it religion. As you kind of reach out um, with your spores uh, and, and kind of commune with, with the cluster, um, these do feel very much like your spores and the spores that you interact with and, and the cluster. Um. But you can, you do feel that same disorientation that uh, you felt um, when you first reached out with the cluster upon your arrival, um, almost as though something is pushing back a little bit against them. Um, and you do, you do sense um, something that could be construed as rage. Uh, there's an urgency and a vehemence uh, to the feeling you get from these spores. Um, but uh 
unfortunately, they do seem very much to be a, a part of the cluster, if a mutated part. Okay. <clears throat> um, there is something pushing back. And there's no way for me to kind of chase that feeling or chase that sensation further, is there? Yeah, I'll let you, you go a bit deeper. Um, let's call this a, I mean, you rolled a 19, which is a very good roll. So I want to kind of respect that. Let's call this a wisdom save. Sure. As you kind of uh, take the nesty plunge and just fall backward <laughs> into, uh, yeah. into the spore network. Okay, wisdom um, save. That's that's not that's pretty good. So let's see. That's a nineteen on the die plus eight to save. So twenty seven so, save. Great. So no damage for you, which is really what we were checking for. Um, you you drift deeper into into the the cluster and allow your your sort of um, sense of self uh, to dissipate slightly to to be less focused on the form of maka deathcap and more focused on your your place in the cycle um, incidentally this is a, a a technique and a way of being that has become easier since merging uh with the uh the root uh, folk the root folk uh, archivist um because they kind of that was their whole deal so it's it's a bit easier for for you to fall into this now um and uh, what you begin to feel is that the uh, the cluster itself is rebelling, um, and uh, in a way that now that you're further down, you can feel isn't there's no v- sort of vicious intent. There's no sort of vengeance on this. Um, it feels more like desperation. It feels more like an animal that's been wounded and cornered, um, lashing out kind of as best it can to maintain its survival. Um, as you begin to integrate further, you feel um, how damaged the cluster is um, in the greater, uh, at least in this this area, um, but um, it uh, it's not healthy. Um, it would seem that the manifestation outwardly has been sickness amongst the turtles and everything else, but the cluster itself actually seems to be uh, afflicted um, mm. by something. Um, and as you, you kind of um, explore that feeling, um, you hear just kind of a, a faint whisper of uh, the voice that you remember meeting uh, in the darkness, deep below the swamp, um, uh, just the, the faintest hint of of jossie echoing throughout the cluster um and uh the voice seems to be moaning in in pain Mm. so okay so this this pushing back this rage below that appears to be suffering uh yes yeah. Okay. And as you you kind of feel that, uh, suddenly it's almost as though you can feel the eyes of not that Jossie has eyes, but the eyes of Jossie upon you. And suddenly it's almost as though all of the uh, the spores pulse, um, and uh, you feel yourself violently ejected uh, from the the network. Um, and it does hurt. It you you rolled high, so you're not going to take any damage from it. But um, it's like 
it's like you walked in on uh, Jossie wounded kind of in a corner. And as soon as you were noticed, Jossie grabbed you and threw you the fuck out uh, of, of her domain. Um, the, if you were not so in tune with the cluster and if you didn't have your own sort of non infected spores, non mutated spores, uh, this would likely have almost killed you. Um, okay. And definitely feels wrathful, definitely feels full of vengeance uh, and rage, but you have a better understanding of kind of where, where that's actually rooted. Okay. Um, then I think the next step is to see if putting these bodies to the torch, uh, if they burn, if they burn up. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the fire refuses to catch um, just from, from immediately putting the torch to them. It seems as though the, uh, the spores that have infested them are muting the effects. It's not to say that, you know, it's not having any effect, like they're not fireproof. Um, if you do want to try and torch the bodies, you'll need an accelerant of some sort. Um, I will say though, that is easy enough to get uh, if you want to pursue that course of action, but they are resistant to, to your efforts. Um, before pursuing the accelerant uh, route, um, I do have flaming sphere prepared. Um I, I, I want to try casting that as just like larger magical fire. Yeah. Uh, I tend then to just kind of see if I can just cast it around the. Yes. Uh, so um, reaching into kind of your, your, your magical abilities, you summon the sphere and uh, you slowly roll it uh, in a, in a crescent moon arc uh, around your home. Um, the bodies ignite as you do so. And you hear kind of um, a, a crackling and uh smell the um the kind of uh pure the purity that comes with with uh ash to you um Mm. as as a a means of when all else fails uh putting a body to rest um as uh as it rolls around um there is uh, an undulation through the cluster um as whatever uh glomera was trapped on these bodies is released back into the uh into the cycle um, the pain of, of Jossie doesn't seem to stop. Um, the rage doesn't seem to dissipate, but you do feel a shift as, as this occurs. Um, almost like, uh, the dumb example I can think of off the top of my head is like, uh, it's like it, almost as though if something were caught in its teeth, that is free. So there's, there's like a moment of relief, but mm-hmm. not anything. It's like grand. I'm treating a symptom. A hundred percent. It's like a, a brief rest. It's like putting a, a cold cloth across your head when you have a migraine. Like it, it helps yeah. a little bit. It's not going to solve it, but it's, yeah. it's a salve. Okay. Um, so as the, uh, the flames um, rise uh, in uh, ironically, a, a, a crescent moon of Jossie uh, around your hut, uh, Duncan and Gwendolyn return um, with the remaining cultists um, backlit uh, stepping forward from your hut as the um, the unrotten um, unrotted rather uh, children of Jossie uh, burn to ash around you. Uh, you have a chance to address the remaining cultists and to try and put this blasphemy to to rest. What do you say? <clears throat> uh, Maka will will raise his hands. I think with <laughs> just like unintentionally looking quite dramatic with like the blaze behind him um, and say, uh, I am Maka Deathcap, gravekeeper of the people of Bleen. 
and the true servant of Jossi. The ones who led you here, the ones who fed you lies about killing the sick to cure yourselves. They are dead, killed by my hand and those of my companions. And I, I gesture to Gwendolyn and Duncan. <clears throat> and I say, uh, um, you were misguided. Jossi is the god of death. Something entirely unavoidable. You do her a service by dying when it is time, when, you, when your life is taken naturally through sickness, age. If you are indeed a warrior, then at times, yes, through combat, but not like this, not slaughtering the sick. I do not want to hear of the Jossians ever again, or I will return and do Jossie's true work. Hmm. Dum Dums and Dice would like to welcome you to the grand darkness of the 41st millennium. I am Inquisitor Caveat Ventus, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and I'm releasing my report on the Valentine Heresy. It's an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. Join Ryan Laplante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, and Laura Elizabeth and Tyler Hewitt as Hive-bred siblings Lyric and Alto, as this unlikely trio try to save the Emperor from a cabal of mysterious enemies in a series created by games master Tom McGee. Can these unlikely heroes survive in a galaxy where there is only war? Find out in the first episode of Warhammer 40,000 The Valentine Heresy. Available now. I told your vine marrow, your pontifex, that Joshi is beyond wrath. And I am Joshi's wrath in her place on this physical realm. I do not want to have to come back here like this. And I gesture to the, the pyre behind me. Um, would you maneuver the flaming sphere into your hut? Or do you preserve the HUD? Um, Which is covered in writings to evil Jesse. Yeah. You know what? It hadn't occurred to Maka, but I think if he's gesturing and he looks over his shoulder and he sees that the HUD is kind of like a weird, like, symbol. Yeah, it's become the like, temple like of Like, people of have projected the Joss- this the false value towards it. He'll just, like, this is meaningless. This is nothing. This is material. And, yeah, he'll just bowl that ball, like, right through it right. and burn it up. So as you turn back to them, um, the the ball of fire just kind of like consumes the huts uh, yeah. and the, the leaflets burn up. Again, <clears throat> Mach is not intending to look dramatic, but it looks fucking dramatic as hell as uh, the, the writings of um, Peak and the, the other uh, zealots uh, sort of uh, catch light and drift off of the, the sides of the hut, kind of burning up in the air as you, uh, you face them. Um, and uh, slowly, and and kind of with with reverence and fear, um, they begin to kind of melt away into the night. Um, 
rapidly kind of rubbing the symbols of Jossie uh, off them and walking away somewhat dazed um, as, you know, brainwashed cultists are like to do when they realize that what they were worshiping is not a thing. Yeah. Um, and with that, uh, the cult of the Jossians was put to rest. Um, returning to uh, Wajdi Vine Marrow, um, he is thrilled to hear that uh, you were able to uh, end the, the cult's machinations. Um, you get that sinking feeling that he's mostly happy because this will mean that people are like working harder in his shitty warehouses, um, but in his deployment centers, uh, but nevertheless, he does, um, he does grin rather broadly and um, extend a hand to you, uh, Maka, uh, Actually, I think we established props is the, the way the turtles do things. So he extends a, a fist for a fist bump and uh, just says, of course, we will let justice run its course, but I think justice will smile upon you, Mark Deathcap. You have brought great productivity back to Bleen. Um, and uh, I think Maka, you know, dispensing with any and all subtlety, it's just like... Uh, <laughs> We'll say, uh, um, in performing this service for you, you will find me not guilty of the charges. Yes. And he looks to Duncan again, just with kind of a, the subtlety thing being a concern. Uh, and, uh, he kind of nods at you in like a, you get it, right? Yeah, Duncan just gives him that very knowing, like, Jim take of just yeah. like, this is Michael Scott saying the wrong thing in an important meeting, but don't yeah. worry about this, David Wallace. And, and he then, turns back and just says, yes, that is what I will do. Yeah, and then Mark is like, mm, yes, good. And then he'll, he'll props. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, and uh, with that, uh, you have uh, obtained the, the favor of one of the three jurors you require. Uh, meanwhile, back in jail... Um, Ida, uh, you've been looking over uh, the paperwork and unfortunately uh, you feel like you have like one third of the puzzle right now mm. um, because unfortunately <laughs> you've received a lot of paperwork about the conspiracy in Sprongbrek, but you don't have the full records of the people who were talking to the Sprongbrek folk. So like, it'd yeah. be very like now you could, you know, you, you can absolutely take the Sprongbrek people down, but they're already down. <laughs> um, so, uh, you've reached a bit of an impasse. Uh, my question to you is earlier, you'd mentioned wanting to go to the library and as we've established, uh, the consortium of Bleen, um, being designed by future criminals for present criminals, um, is, uh, the, the jails are very nice. Uh, so they will, they're very happy to bring you, uh, documents from the library, um, that you would desire. What, knowing that, that you've hit a dead end on the conspiracy and there's likely not anything they can bring you from a library that would just be like, here's the book of conspiracies. Um, what, uh, what would Ita want to be learning and exploring uh, about uh, the consortium of Bleen while she's imprisoned? Well, I think uh, what she'd be looking for is because I doubt like this conspiracy is like, you know, public knowledge and, and that it would be public record um but that uh just wondering if there might be 
kind of slight hints in like uh, their news articles, like basically like, oh, these people came through and like basically a, a very a superficial reporting of um, uh, who from the Empire of Numbers is like coming here. Are, were there any weird like trade negotiations? Basically, does anything in the news like tell me that there's something more to the stories. So she wants like the fantasy equivalent of those microfiche things. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. I want a montage of like scrolling through at like super fast speed. And yeah, the main problem is you don't have uh, someone with you to be like, hey, come take a look at this uh, to indicate <laughs> yeah. that you found something and end the montage. Right. Um, right. Okay, so they don't have microfiche, um, <laughs> nor Why? do they have like mass records of uh, like they can't bring you like archival newspaper stuff they do they bring you like um sort of uh i think probably um the best they can offer you uh based on the kind of place they are there there is sort of a trade periodical um that is is widely available mm. um so they bring you that um they also uh because you've got murdoch on your side uh pulling strings um they bring you uh some of the more recent like uh, sort of morning announcements um, that would be read out at the deployment centers um, mm-hmm. just to kind of bring all the employees up to speed. Um, can you roll me an investigation check, please? Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, that's a 19. Okay. Um, so... You can, they're, they're heavily trade focused, obviously, like they're, they're very much an industry paper. Um, but, um, not because you're great at sussing out conspiracies, but because you are great at sussing out the most like logical way to present information. Um, you can see there are a lot of, uh, a lot of gaps uh, in this and that the reporting is being purposefully vague. Uh, Mm -hmm. which of course is like nails on a chalkboard to you, like purposefully obscure stuff is, is a a huge frustration. Um, There's no direct reference to anything having gone wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a very, very, very strong sense of everything is fine. Like in, you know, modern meme terms, it's very much a, the dog in the room on fire with a coffee cup saying this is fine. Um, In that, there's a lot of talk of like, uh, well, as you know, like trade negotiations have not been going well for us lately with this group. However, we are confident that we will still make our targets. And remember, two years ago was a record year for us. You know, we're really killing it, doing it on all fronts. So as long as we stay positive and just keep making sure we're making our deployment targets, we'll be fine. Um, the Empire of Numbers is referenced a lot, but in passing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of in lists, but not, there's nothing specific to it, which seems to track with their surprise that you arrived. And though you were unaware of it when you were in the empire, um, some suggestion that uh, the relationship between the empire of numbers and the consortium of Bleen has fallen off. Uh, you would know Ida just from, from being an accountant and uh, living and growing up in, in uh, the empire that um for a long time, uh, one of the prime alliances uh, in Gren was between uh, the uh, Consortium of Bleen, the Apex Institute, and I believe there's one other, sorry, I just need to refer to my notes because it's mm-hmm. been a hot second since we've dealt into <laughs> our, 
the fucking history of the people. Um, yeah. Uh, no, actually, I guess it was. It was mostly you guys. My apologies again. It's, right. I'm sorry. It's been a while. Uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. Um, so traditionally, there was uh, a, a good a, a good relationship between uh, the consortium and uh, the Empire of Numbers, largely because uh, you know you had to deal with the Covenant and um, yeah. other other threats. Um, but things have clearly fallen off. Um, Oh, and the dwarves, of course. Uh, so the, right. the various dwarven societies of the Down Under. Uh, keeping in mind that Sprongbrek is the, the most famous and perhaps most profitable because it was using all that shitty, sneaky demon magic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that there are a number of dwarven conclaves throughout uh, throughout Gren um, under, under hill, mountain, and ground. Um, so uh, things have clearly uh, degraded there, which is interesting. Yep. Um, there's also talk, uh, cause you rolled high. Um, there's a, a, a push to like, we have to continue to innovate because we're starting to fall behind. Mm. Um, you were aware that the, uh, the apex Institute, um, is a, uh, a, like a, a nation that is dedicated to scientific advancement and technology. And it's basically, for a long time have been um, cutting edge developers and, and creators. Um, what you're seeing between the lines of these trade publications is that there's a, a fear that um, Apex may be on the verge of becoming self-sufficient, which would be a mm. huge blow to the consortium, who again, as, as you've seen and as we've established, makes most of their profit moving other people's stuff around. Yeah. Um, and if someone else were able, it's the the classic Netflix versus HBO thing where Netflix was like, we need to become HBO before HBO realizes they could become Netflix. Um, <laughs> and it's it's that kind of moment of like, uh oh. Uh, so that's what you get from the the papers you've uh, you've received. Um, does anything immediately jump out at Ita about that, or is it just um, context knowledge for her further conspiracy unraveling? I mean, I guess it's a, it's a little bit interesting. I find it strange that, you know, that the ties haven't kept up just because at least in Ida's mind, working at the Apex Institute, it's like acquiring knowledge. Like they always want to be acquiring knowledge. The consortium of Bleen, I mean, they move things between different societies, I don't quite like Ida wouldn't understand why they would want to sever any ties with them. Like that seems like counterproductive mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. their ultimate goal of like of learning about everything. They'd want to keep all avenues open in her mind. Fair enough. Um, as uh, as you you finish kind of your your observations. Um, uh, Murdoch um, uh, sort of appears uh, in, in the the walkway. In I'm, this is a really dumb but highly specific visual uh, comparison I've got for these prison cells. 
I'm very much imagining uh, the jail setup from Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, like the first one where it's just like a row of cells that are like incredibly well lit. And there's just kind of like a nice big guard space for like an individual guard. Um, of course, less like carved out of stone and more, you know, as we mentioned, <laughs> brutalist architecture made of wood. Um, yeah. But there is kind of like a, a nice uh, a nice sense that, that you can go by. Um, so um Murdoch appears kind of at the entrance um, and uh, she just quickly blows off the guard who kind of steps out. It's, it's very much like a, oh, just, uh, yeah, okay, buddy. Um, just kind of blows, <laughs> blows past him. Um, and uh, with her is um, a, a very, very elderly turtle um, who is um, uh, wheeling herself along in just the most ornate wheelchair you've ever seen. Like it's uh, just embellished it again looks like it's not from bleen um and unlike someone like uh, uh murdoch um or obviously maka um this person seems to be very much of the bleen that you've been observing like mm. we find the best version of the thing we can somewhere else and that's the one i want like we could make a wheelchair but i don't want that one i want a fancy one from somewhere else um and is uh bedecked in finery the way that only the truly old and truly wealthy can be where it's just like you know like you know chandelier earrings that are um uh studded into the flesh of her uh face because turtles um heavy chain necklace um you know fancy fucking robes looks a little bit like a mystic uh like just in terms of like the the fanciness um wearing full sundara get up but in in that kind of um I, honestly, my, my visual parallel for this is just uh, Eartha Kit as, um, oh, Jesus, what's her name from? Uh, Yzma? Yzma, thank you. But in a less cartoony way, but that same level of like, oh, yeah, like I'm vaguely skeletal, but fuck you. I'm doing the full eyelash. I'm doing the full <laughs> like, um, and unlike right. the kind of uh, clownish way that this manifests in a lot of the people you've seen wear Sundara since you've arrived um, on her, it, it, it kind of works. Like she really knows what, what she's doing. Um, and uh, uh, Murdoch uh, has Dennis kind of lead her down, uh, down the hallway. And uh, it's just gesturing broadly behind her. Uh, and uh, this, uh, this woman like glowers at the guard um, and uh, kind of wheels her way up to, uh, up to the bars. And uh, Murdoch says, uh, Ida, baby, listen, look, I hope those papers prove real useful for whatever you're trying to figure out. Uh, I really hope you, you know, you sorted some stuff out. You found whatever you're looking for. But look, I know jail can be lonely. Right. And like, you know, a few times I've been locked up. I've had Dennis and that's been great. You know, he he's a great listener because he can't talk. Um, but I figured you might be going a little bit squirrely in here. Uh, and I know you had some some big plans. But the good news is. Uh, word of your uh, little uh, diplomatic incident spread pretty widely. Uh, that meant some people were uh, rather curious to meet <laughs> you. Um, so uh, I would uh, very much uh, like to introduce you uh, to uh, uh, Ren Comtree. Uh, she is one of the top uh, uh, sort of uh, merchant rulers, <laughs> if I can use the term in our with big air quotes, democracy here. Um, one of the huge merchant lords, uh, of course, uh, you know, she's at, of an age now that, uh, you know, her, uh, 
or her daughters have taken over the business, but uh, she's got a lot of wealth, a lot of influence. And when she learned that an ambassador from the empire numbers was here, well, she just couldn't help herself. And honestly, neither could I. So I've brought you a companion. Uh, I thought it might be interesting for you to get some information. And I know she is very interested in talking to you. Uh, you okay with this? Am I good to, to leave this broad here? I got a date. So I'd really like to kind of, you know, it seems like you will do this anyway, so yes. No, I mean, I, I, I can take this her away. And the woman's like, no, she won't. So, okay, well, like, hypothetically, I could take her away. But uh, I just thought she could have some valuable insight for you, you know? Then I will accept it greatly. Great. Well, prisoners can't be choosers. Am I right? Okay, great. Uh, I'll leave you two alone. Um, good luck. <laughs> uh, and uh, she, uh, she sort of turns on her, her heel and walks out. Um, Ren, uh, observes you from, uh, from outside the bars, uh, for a moment, uh, and then wheels slightly closer and, uh, says, so I understand that you are from the empire of numbers. Yes. Uh, yes, that is correct. Let me ask you something. What are you doing here? Your people learned a long time ago that we weren't talk worth talking to anymore. Well, I happen to disagree with that assessment. I believe that it is foolish to uh, sever ties with the Consortium of Blin. Uh, I'm here to, to discover what is going on and mm. why that would happen. Well... Looks like you and I got a lot to discuss then, don't we? Let me ask you something. What do you know about Apex? This episode of Curse Code and Crowd Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Christian Mendez, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Great Dane, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.